Hi, everybody. This is your reminder that this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, and they make noise, so there may be cats making bothersome noises, there may be dogs barking, and as the year gets warmer and the light starts lasting longer during the day, because we usually do this in the evening after dinner, there's a chance of chickens now, because we're, we're into spring, headed into summer, and it's still light out, so they haven't gone to bed yet. Yes. It's a, it's a thing. The other thing I should mention at this juncture is while this podcast does not deal with adult subjects, we do use very strong language. It's been known to happen. We're, we're very fond of swearing, so I have to mark this as explicit on iTunes because they don't have any choices other than clean and explicit, and it's not clean. It's maybe PG. 13. All right, if you're going to be particular. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 43. Woo! It has been a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal week. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's been a phenomenal week. We did some stuff around the garden this past weekend. Yes, we burned. We burned. Was that? Yeah, that was only just this past weekend. We... I think it was this past it weekend. It might have been last weekend. I don't know. It, it had to be this past weekend. Okay. Right. Um, I did the second Open Source 101 event yesterday. I just got back into town this morning. It was a lot of fun. Big shout out to all the people who make it happen, the volunteers, the All Things Open organization, Todd Lewis and his incredible staff, and all the other speakers, some of whom have been or will be guests on the show at some point. Woo! I mean, I've gotten them to agree to it. Sometimes it's just a question of uh, sitting them down in front of a microphone and saying, we're going to talk about this now. <laughs> But be that as it may, and I got to see um, uh, one of our prior guests, Mary Thingval, speak again, and she's just amazing. She's a great speaker uh, talking about um, not just self-care, but community care, taking care of a community and what's necessary to be a community manager. And if you haven't checked that one out, it was a couple episodes ago. I cannot remember the exact number off the top of my head. If only you had some kind of tagging system that would allow you to bring this thing up. Yeah, right now the best I have is I can look through my notes in my notebook because I write down all of this stuff. Uh, this this is a joke because someone had just asked Kevin to yes. put a tagging system so they can yep. search episodes, yep. which would be very good. Mary was on episode 39. And yes, we did get a suggestion and I'll read the full letter next month, probably, but to tag episodes with uh, useful pieces of content. Like, now you should be able to, in a couple weeks when I have gotten it all done, because there's 43 episodes to tag now, but you'll be able to click on things like Google Calendar and find everything related to Google Calendar. Somewhere the people who have painstakingly put up the Hidden Almanac wiki are yeah. laughing at you in your, your 40 episodes. <laughs> This is fair. This is fair. Look, we, we did help the lovely people who do the Hidden Almanac Wiki by starting to share the scripts with them. Yes. So they get a, they actually get a copy of the script the next time I record. So they'll get Monday and, and today's scripts, because today's Wednesday, on Friday. Cool. They'll get Friday's script on Monday. And I do this so that they don't get spoiled. Yes. We're the, not actually worried about them spoiling the show. Right. But... You know, some I, of them, obviously, they're big fans if they're, if they're maintaining a wiki. Yes. And so it's, it's I, I think it's important to give them access to everything, but maybe after it's been aired so that they, uh, there's, there's not as much a risk of spoilage. That doesn't mean, you know, if they're not binging, like, a month's worth 
at a time because they they had a, a rough month or something that they might not get spoiled by processing the script. But that's anyway. That's just. I mean, I just Neither courtesy. Here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I've also been asked about for this show is transcripts, which that will be trickier. Well, I, there are a couple machine learning services that I'm going to look into. Okay. Because yeah, you're right. It would be very tricky. I would have to sit down after the fact and then type everything up. I have in fact done that. Um, mm-hmm. The one of the classes I took in college, I was an anthropology major, was ethnographic interviewing, where you wrote up a written transcript of your interviews, and we had dictation machines basically, and we by God transcribed. Um, yep. This was undoubtedly very useful for me. I point to it as a writer in the place I learned to write dialogue. <laughs> uh, it was very valuable in that regard, since dialogue is the thing I do best. It is. It is. But the downside is, oh my god, it is unbelievably tedious, and an hour interview takes you hours to transcribe. Yes. And, uh, I believe it. So unless we have a machine program, I don't think we have the manpower to transcribe. We, we really I would love don't. to, because I much prefer reading transcripts than... Listening just because of the deafness, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah. Right. So there are it's some hard. new technologies, yeah, I'm going to look at. They cost money, so that's been one of the, the reasons I haven't been pushing so hard on it. It's always been in the back of my mind, this is something I need to do. And it really actually is an accessibility issue. Oh, absolutely. Because podcast being an audible or auditory medium, if you have hearing issues like you yourself do slowly then it becomes important to have a transcript available so that it becomes more accessible to everyone part of the reason i am not a big fan of doing video casts uh, yes is because again there's an accessibility issue there without some other other means that and the fact that some of the podcasts we don't have on pants that when we do them, they might be, you know, just like pajama bottoms or... Uh, I'm wearing pink moose pajamas. You are. Or a, a kilt, but we don't dress up for these. And, and I have a very stylish Mothman t-shirt. Yes. I wore mine yesterday at the conference. There you go. Uh, also, I don't like the way I look on video. That's fair. And That's fair. Uh, particularly women... It's very hard to do videos and because everyone's going to show up and comment on how you look. Yes. Yeah, and it's and there are levels of interaction that we're willing to put up with and a whole troll army making comments about our appearance is just something we don't have to deal with, so we won't. And also being me, I will walk through fire for a written transcript as opposed to watching a YouTube video. Yes. If I have to watch a video, no, it's not going to happen. I will not watch it. Podcasts, I am willing to listen to because I can crank the volume up, but YouTube videos, the only thing I have watched in recent memory was, I believe, um, Irish people trying American food videos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and of course, the Hydraulic Press channel, which yeah. you couldn't really do as a transcript. Yeah. And the, the Irish people doing X, tasting Irish food, tasting American food, tasting whatever, uh, is the Facts channel, and they are... Someone told me that they weren't doing it anymore, and I was seeing posts from as recent as last month. 
So I'm pretty sure they're still doing it. It's just not at the rate they were before. As people who also do a podcast where we eat regrettable food, it's honestly the amount of emotional buy-in I get seeing these people eating these foods. I'm like, yes, you are my people. I have been where you are (laughs) right this second. I have looked at it and gone, well, that looks like vomit. Oh, well, oh. We, anyway, so long story short, yeah. we will look into transcription issues, mm-hmm. but uh, at the moment we are limited mm-hmm. by funds and time. Mostly time. Yes. The other side effect of that is that I meant to record my presentation this time. A lot of people asked about the presentation, which is getting to done on the command line, open source tools to use at the Linux or Mac command line to, to track your tasks. And I've touched on some of them here. And I had everything set up. It was glorious. I had the recorder. It was aimed. I have a I have fresh SD card in it. All I had, I pushed the button to say, all right, you are now ready to record. All I had to do was remember to push the button a second time to start recording. And, and you didn't. I'm standing there in the middle of the part talking about Task Warrior, and I look down on it, and it's blinking at me going, I'm ready whenever you are. And I'm like, and I apparently forgot to push record, so I should have put that on my to-do list and kept right on rolling with it. Well, you gotta. Yeah. So it was, but it was a good time, and I really encourage you if you're in the southeast, when the open source 101 stuff comes around in Raleigh and Columbia, South Carolina next year, uh, try to give it a, a, a some attendance. It's a really good, um, a really good time, and of course I hopefully call for papers are open for all things open this fall, and I've got several outstanding that I hope at least one will be picked up again this year. And that's, that's something that uh, talking to people who are also speaking at these same events, but who speak at a lot more events, it becomes a sort of an interesting thing. Oh, are you going to this convention? Oh, no, no, I, I, I didn't have a talk accepted, and I don't really have time because I'm doing this other one. And, you know, hearing about um, Mary Thingvall is starting her own conference oh. uh, for community managers that happens the week of Worldcon, so I won't be able to go. Even though it's in San Francisco. Oh, bummer. Yeah, we would have to come in a couple days early, and, and the budget and the time off is just not there for that. Um, Tina's been trying to get me to come into that one early so we can take a pelagic birding cruise. Well, now now we'll talk. Anyway, there's, there's all that uh, going on and coming up, and we've got all the events coming up this summer. Uh, all the events. I have Anthrocon. You have Anthrocon and Worldcon. Yes, and I'm a GOH at Anthrocon, so come out and I will be everywhere. Yes. But Worldcon, I will be at the Hugos. Yes, or the bar. Or the bar. Yeah. Or the Losers Party. Or the Losers Party. Or um, we hang out in dealers' rooms a lot, even if we're not dealers. I. It's the... the frequently we know a lot of people, and uh, I think Sofa Wolf uh, West will have a okay. table there, so... I we'll gravitate talk. to yeah tables. Yeah. It's 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 the place we know. You know the dealers yeah. room. We we are familiar with all of the rhythms. We understand it. We know the people. We wander around. We circulate. We get out of the way of the table when people want to buy <laughs> things. We do occasionally do booth barnacle sweep as yes. required. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that are are necessary, but none of that. I mean, some of that talk is, is, is very actually organizational because we're going to want to set a schedule if you're going to be expected to be at the table a certain time. Oh, right, And yes. uh, timing around when the Hugos are and flights and, yes, parties and all that stuff. 
So that's that's there. See, bringing it back home, bringing yeah, it back home. Good segue. Good, good segue. segue. And that's uh, really I I don't have anything phenomenal or new. It's just been really good. I took a I, I found something that was not ideally set up at work, and it isn't set up ideally across the entire infrastructure. So I have to go to each individual machine and like rearrange how disks are laid out kind of thing. And normally that would just be a, yeah, I'll grab one in a minute. What I did, or I would just kill myself trying to get it all done in a, a big marathon. And I did the smart thing this time is I set up a project. We're now using Zoho projects at work, which is um, an interesting interface that I'll probably want to talk more in depth in, in later, but I set up a, an actual project about, you know, fix this disk issue and then picked like a group of servers every day. So I'm doing two servers a day versus trying to just plow through as many servers in a day as I can to go to the next day to plow through as many servers in a day as I can and then be all, oh, I can't believe this isn't done yet. I'm following my own rules and I'm able to measure my progress and see what I'm doing. The whale bite at a time. That's right. Um, one of the cool things about Zoho projects is you can actually set an individual task as a percentage complete as compared to things like um, Todoist or some other things where you can't, that we've talked about, where you can't set them to in progress or say I've done 50% of this. Since it's designed much more around a, a real project management interface, you can say, yes, I am 50% done. You can start to look at, at trending over time. Uh, it's basically Gantt chart based, so it's it's made to be a replacement for Microsoft projects. So it's not agile, but I can kind of work with it that way. That is nice. One of the uh, problems with uh, Wonderlist and really all the yeah. to-do lists is the project is done or not done. Some of them mm -hmm. have subtasks that you can go right. in and click the subtasks, mm -hmm. but I I would like to be able to, when I'm doing edits, for example, which is what I did a lot of this, what I spent right. this week doing, right. was... I would like to be able to say, no, I'm on page 200 out of 300. That means I have made huge progress as opposed to yeah. the edits are not done. Yeah. And so there's, um, that one's a little more, that, that one's trickier. Yeah. You want that sort of a breakdown with that sort of a, a job where you can like just say, okay, the range is zero to 300 and, oh, look, I did 10 more today and I can push a little bar or increase the number and it, it fixes a graph somewhere. Which I, is which is still imperfect when you're talking book edits because even when I get to page 320-some and have gone all the way through the manuscript, I know there's a couple of pain points where I have to go back and add something right. because even though all of the individual pages have been looked at, I'm like, okay, I have to add another encounter here. I have to explain this thing here. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So it's imperfect. It's something other than it is done or it is not done it's, binary. Yeah, you're, you're looking for an in-progress kind of setting. Give me cookies for having worked on it, damn it. <laughs> this is where, and I don't know if I made you try this or not. I think I did. Uh, Trello can come in really handy. No, you have not made me try I've Trello. I've not made you try Trello. Well, I... I am familiar with Trello from far too many companies where I'll look at our Trello board, and I am glad that works, and I'm like, oh, God, a Trello board. Right. But, you know. But it's very easy to set up a, a personal board with three columns, and then you just, a, a task is a card, and then you just, when you're working on it, you move it to in progress, and when you're done, you move it to done. I know there are lots mm -hmm. of people who live in Trello boards. Is yeah. Skulldog one of them? Skulldog is one of them. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is the Kanban method, which was picked up from Toyota way back in the, I want to say, 70s. 
Um, but it's it's a method of you know managing work and it, with large teams or even with small teams, it's very important because you can have way too many tasks on oh, your God, list. Oh God, yeah, right. And I can have that as one person. You can, and one of the principles behind Kanban is that you manage work. You're only allowed to have, you can say, I'm only allowed to have five cards in the in progress, right? And so in either I have to move something to just take it off my plate before I add something else, or I have to finish something before I can add something, or before I can start something else. That's the principle behind it. In the automotive industry where it originated, it was much more of a, every time you, you had one column, which was, you know, a card with, there was a card for the number of parts you had in stock. And as you move things through the assembly line, it would get to done. And then when you had like only two or three parts left, you'd order more. Right. So much more of a just in, closer to a just in time delivery system, which is we only order what we need when we need it, not the old method that GM was using where they would have warehouses full of carburetors. And if they stopped using that carburetor, they would have leftover carburetors, uh, you know, 40 years later when the car that, use those carburetors is no longer on the market except and then they found they could mark them up tremendously for like restorations and uh and collectors so it kind of works out for them but it you know spark plugs are a hard one like that uh tires um i so things that can actually expire while in storage uh, sort of tangentially related Mm -hmm. um in addition to working on the edits i'm working on basically two books at the moment one for self-pub and one that's another horror novel right and i was fiddling with the horror novel today and which is set in a weird little rinky dink privately owned museum ah. and the heroine is like i am going to have to set up a catalog for this museum right and is pulling up spreadsheets and i'm, ha- I'm going I have to have at least some idea how she is setting up a catalog <laughs> for a museum, and, right. I, and and at the moment it's it's very basic. It's mm-hmm. okay. You are you, taxidermied elkhead. You are item one. Here yep. is a sticker that says item one. Here is a de- description mm-hmm. of the spreadsheet. Here is a photo I take with my phone and plug into the spreadsheet. What's item two? Yeah, that's and that's that's how. That's how we did machine inventories back in the day. That's how we did all kinds of things. It's it's primitive, but you know, just, mm-hmm. but it it was funny just the the mm-hmm. the fact that I had to sit there in the coffee shop. Well, not the coffee shop, the the mm-hmm. cafe. It's not my beloved coffee shop, which is not back yet, but it is the bakery mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's a great bakery. It's just oh yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's not the coffee shop. It's not the coffee shop. Yes, uh, different I'm, level of weird. Honestly, very little weird. Although I was sitting there and, and there was a table full of little old ladies behind me and one of them said, the one line I overheard was, well, she wanted a unicorn and all I had was a Pegasus. And yeah, okay. I'm just like, Gondor needs no context. <laughs> so anyway, yes, I was sitting yes. there in the bakery going, I have to invent a working museum cataloging system for this museum. We, we, we'll, we'll talk after... After all the recording's done, because, oh, gee, not like you know somebody who knows stuff about that. Um, you mean you? Yeah. Um, one of the things... <laughs> it doesn't have to work. I don't have an actual museum. This is a fictional museum. Yeah, but what's going to happen if it doesn't work? The cataloging system? Yeah. Look, there's... Think about your, think about your readers. 
there's going to be a giant taxidermied Amazonian river otter possessed by an evil spirit running loose through the halls. Right, and your point? People aren't going to care. They're going to if... demand to know what number the otter is, I guess. Yeah, something like that. And, and and people being, why didn't you use this system or that system? Because it would be so much better and or more efficient. Or they're a museum. Why don't they have X or Y? So we'll, we'll talk. God, I wish you were wrong. <laughs> what I was going to say that actually ties into both, both points is one of the earliest implementations of Kanban in a corporate office was Post-it Notes. Ah yes. On a whiteboard, they would draw the 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 columns of of you know here's what needs to be done, here's what what's being done, and what's done done, and swim lanes across those for people, so that there would be Bobs and there would be Ursulas and there would be you know Ernies. And didn't you have that implemented at a company you worked at and used to torment one of your your employee your fellow coworkers when he was being insufferable? Yes, we we actually used an entire wall because it was a bigger team, and he was a bit of a neat freak, and so if if he was if he was either being insufferable or we were having a slow day and needed some entertainment, <laughs> what we would do is we would go up to the wall and we would tilt all of them slightly in different directions and get them out of alignment, and then we could just sit back and wait because. Inevitably, he would come back and he would have to line them back up perfectly. I realized this is a mild form of OCD that we were triggering, and it was a very, very cruel thing. But I have no other defense than we were younger, stupider, and um, not very nice. Yeah, he handled his relationship with me very badly, so you, oh, okay, you, well, you, right, you, yeah. you tilt those post-it notes, buddy. <laughs> It's okay, dude. I forgave you. Yeah. Anyway, the, the whole the whole idea... I don't think you listen to the show, but if you do, I forgave you. It's fine. Yeah. The whole idea is that you can see what is assigned to you, and we can see visually very easily if someone is overburdened. Like, if I look at the board and Bob has two and Ernie has three and Ursula has six, okay, we're going to talk about this. Because that's a lot of work for Ursula, and that means that you're going to be the big bottleneck, and you're the one who's going to burn out first. Yes. Yes. Or quit and, uh, quit and say, I don't need to take this shit no more. Um, I uh, actually got very close to, uh, to... I don't know if I talked about this on the show or not. Mm -hmm. um, quite recently, I basically sent my agent an email saying, we have to fix this pain point. Yeah. Or... I am done being a children's book author, and I will. I was like, you can either we can either fix this, mm -hmm. or I can take the next three months off and write the next horror novel, and I will be T Kingfisher for the rest of my life. Yep. And my agent was like, we will fix this. Do not do the thing that is causing <laughs> you agony. I will fix that. Right. Go write the next horror novel. And mm -hmm. she was basically saying, yes, take your, your time and go write the next horror novel, which is, is honestly what I'm trying to do. Right. Uh, as opposed to working on things that are causing me intense angst for unrelated reasons. And she's like, I can fix this. I, I mm -hmm. don't want you to stop being a children's book author because you're good at it and all. And you're making her a fat load of cash. Well, the fat load of cash helps. Yeah. But... Uh, I which which I mean this works out well because I went in and, and I can't say I set a boundary because it wasn't nearly that it that sounds like I'm very mature and know what I need I was just like 
we fixed this or I burn out. If you fix this other thing, I can give you uh, maybe another year or two. If you fix this thing, you know, if you don't fix it, uh, I'm going to die. And she was like, we'll fix it. It's yeah. okay. So, uh, yeah, and, it, so, and, and, and I should clarify right now that not literal death. No, no, not literal death. No. Uh, but you know, I the I think burnout was actually. I was like, yeah. I will. I am close to burning out on this. You can buy me more time by doing X. Yep. You can fix it by doing Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we cannot do X or Y. I am not going. Uh, basically, I was like, I am not going to kill myself right. or burn out on doing this anymore. I your option are basically, I am either done with children's books or we fix this because uh, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Which, on the one hand, I'm mm-hmm. proud of myself that I did that. I I told someone what I needed before the bit where I wound up curled in fetal position in the yeah in the garden mm-hmm. weeping. Um, the meds probably help. Uh, well, it's it's but, interesting because the subject of burnout has come up a couple times, and so we'll get back plague to... Plague of our times. We'll, we'll get back to, to Kanban and, and Post-it Notes in a minute. And so I'm, I'm working out how to do a show specifically about burnout with several of the people I know who have experience with that, because it, it's, a, it's a tough topic, it's an important topic, it's something that I myself have experienced, you've almost experienced... Oh no, I've totally experienced Oh, you've experienced it. yeah. yeah. Um, you know but, all about my nervous breakdown. Uh, both of them. And... The second one was super mild compared to the yeah yeah, but there there that's in the works. A couple of people have asked about it, and it really is in the works. It's just it, it <laughs> there are a lot of moving parts, i.e., getting a, a lot of different people's schedules together. So we're work. So um, be patient. It is something I absolutely want to cover because it is an absolutely important subject to cover. The, how would you cover? It would be like what? What is the How did? When did you know you'd burned out? That's sort of that's 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 what we have to talk about because everybody notices it at a different point, and everybody deals with it a little bit differently. Most of the time, the dealing with it differently in a professional setting is you either quit or get fired. Yeah. And the fact that I lasted as long as I did at my last job, even ha- I literally burned out twice. Um, and then I buried it very, very deeply and kept pushing forward, which is the least healthy thing you can do. Yes. Um, also just for the record, quitting your job, moving across the country, not the best idea either for the, <laughs> you know, as long as, if, as long as you have a job waiting at the other end or you negotiated that out, but you know, just, just the impulse move one, maybe not the best idea. I mean, it wasn't an impulse exactly, but exactly. Yes. But anyway, that's a hell of a time yeah. to find you've had it. You're having a nervous breakdown. So just yeah, so word of advice. So, but there's, there, there are a lot of different pieces to cover on the subject of burnout. And when I, get all of them together and i i actually have to plan out like a series for this one because i can't do it in one show no if i no. do it try to do it in one show that's a five-hour show it will not work can you introduce a question to your interviews have you ever burned out um the that has has come up the thing is that that may be again an hour-long discussion afterwards oh uh, yeah and so i want to i want to be able to focus the appropriate amount of time on the subject f- because for because it's really a very complicated uh, subject to cover. There's there's a lot of hand-waving on the internet about, well, if you've burned out, do X, Y, and Z, and it'll magically be better. <laughs> yeah, if you're no. depressed, try yoga. Yeah. Um, or, you know, oh, you burned that, out. That was sarcastic, by the way. Very People, sarcastic, I, yeah. If, if you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, have fun with yoga, but no. 
I, I rather enjoy yoga, but um, but if I'm depressed and someone suggests yoga, I will, I will, I get to punch them in the face. That's a freebie. Um, the, the universe <laughs> just allows that. <laughs> Just, I don't make the rules, people. Just, just make yourself feel better. It's not that hard. Just just think just happy thoughts. Just choose happiness. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. If, if yeah. they say that, uh, you get to kick them in the shins repeatedly. Yeah. That all Check your said. local laws. <laughs> may not be valid in all jurisdictions. Ursula Vernon, Wombat Test Subject, and Children's Book Author, ladies and gentlemen. And other. Um... <laughs> Yes, ladies, gentlemen, and those who identify as neither. Yes. So anyway, rolling it all back to Kanban. All right. Yes. yes. Let's let's get some post-it notes up on that board. We we should. We we get post. You get post-it notes on oh, the board. Shit, that was a metaphor. Oh okay. Oh. Haha. Uh -huh. we? oh. Well, I mean, it, you were saying you needed. <laughs> He's a way. looking at me. You needed a way to do. You know, this is what I've got going on. This is what I'm working on now. This is so you can feel that. So you can see that progress as it happens. Yes. So let's try some Kanban. Does this involve me using post-it notes? Because i got to tell you, if the post-it notes aren't straight, it is going to make me nuts after a while. <laughs> it's, that is up to you. There are, there are a couple ways to do it. I would prefer not to use physical post-it notes. Okay, so let, we won't use physical like, post-it notes. We have cats. A lot of cats. Yeah, I know. I know. And, I, I, and while you've got my seven feet of rolled up whiteboard right there yes i am um, holding seven feet of rolled up whiteboard I, right I've now not had i a chance, have the power i have not had a chance to to figure out what wall to put it on because i'm missing having a whiteboard but i i i apparently got too much whiteboard i didn't realize it was going to be that much whiteboard stick on poster but see the problem with things like this is that I this is like when I started mulching for for again after mm -hmm. you know winter I grabbed my mulch fork yeah and I'm feeling a similar sensation holding this roll of seven feet of whiteboard which is to scream by the power of Grayskull oh okay yeah, yeah uh, so <laughs> uh, anyway moving on yes. moving on so the best tool right now I've seen online this is my experience yours may vary the best tool I've seen for doing Kanbans electronically has been Trello. Okay. And it's very customizable. So that is, since apparently we forgot all about you trying Tick Tick last week. I don't even remember if I was supposed to or not. Yeah. I have a vague memory I was supposed to at some point, but then there was gardening and editing. And yeah. I did I did actually manage to mm -hmm. uh, to write some words. Uh, I My word count has been very low this month, but I did manage to get some words written, right. which is nice. I'm still behind mm -hmm. on a couple business emails, but... Yeah, but that's that's the thing. You can put those. So, the way we would do it in, in a, pardon, agile shop, is we would have we would have the the. You say that like you say agile shop like you're about to say X-rated movie theater. In in tech, just saying straight out, there's there's a big misconception among management, among the higher ups, that you can go out and you can buy something and suddenly you will be agile. You will be an "Quote unquote agile shop." Have you interviewed your cousin Amy about this? Not yet. You totally should, I should because yeah. uh, her uh, mm -hmm. uh, she explained agile to me in a way that yeah. that no one else has managed to, which was management went and hired some people, 
who were agile consultants who just wandered around and told us how we failed to be agile. And then they sent like five people to agile training yeah. and that was supposed to fix everything. But all that happened is that the five people who got trained refused to teach anybody else so that they would then be the, you know, indispensable agile people. And the consultant kept wandering around, but management thought they'd fixed things because they'd trained people. That's right. Yeah. And this is, this is a, this is a common problem in places that, are trying to be buzzword compliant and not actually follow the basic principles of lean or agile or I still cannot hear the word proactive without yeah. like a, the, my lower eyelids starting mm -hmm. to twitch. Yeah. But for those, so for those of you who who are in the bad shops who threw a sticker on it and said we're agile now and then and it sucks, we're not talking about that. All right, in a properly implemented Scrum or Kanban environment, which are methods to use Agile, you would have a big pile of post-it notes called the backlog. These are all the things you want to get done someday. Right. Okay. And then you pick out of those the ones that you want to get done. And so you put them in basically the to-do column. And then as you do them, you move them across the board. And then you go back when they're all at the other end of the board and you add more to the to-do column. Is there an iPad app? Yes, Trello has an iPad app. All right. Trello actually has... This a, just increased my chance of actually doing this homework by 800%. Yeah, it, it's... They have a, a web app, and I'm going to link it, uh, a, a couple standalone apps for desktops. They have an iPad app, an Android app, well, an iPhone slash iPad app, uh, an Android app, they interface with a whole bunch of other systems now. So if you're looking at something to integrate, you're not. I realized, dear, you're not. But for the people at home, if you're looking for something you can integrate with your Slack or your GitHub, there, there are hooks into, uh, or even your Google Calendar, there are hooks into Trello for that. Some of them are pay for, not going to lie. But I've been a, a, one of their paying members for a couple of years now, and I really like it. And I have use cases where I use that specifically versus the other tools I have. So for your your homework is going to be to download Trello. I'll put it. I'll, I'll do it right now. No, no, I'm not downloading Trello. I'm putting a note in Wonderlist. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but to 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 set up Trello and try it out. And if you need my help, please feel free to ask. Because that's, you know, that's, that's part of this. And you can do, like, like you were saying, there are some artists and some development groups who have their Trello boards open to the public. Mm -hmm. uh, Habitica's one. So that you can actually see the progress, like what people are requesting and see the progress of different, of their development streams and things like that. Didn't as they you say Skulldog uses it to handle her commissions? She does, yeah. yes. So as she's doing her commissions, she... You know, oh, this is the one I'm working on, so it's in the, the doing column, and then when she's done, it's done, and she sends it out. But that means that people aren't coming up and saying, where's my commission? Right. Because you can actually see, literally, a queue of, and she just takes the next card off the top, as far as I know, or maybe it's going to be sticker, making sticker day, so all the sticker ones are at the top, and we're going to move those across. And But you can see, actually, you can find out where you are in relation to her current queue. That's uh, which, mm -hmm. if you're an artist who lives by commissions, I yes. can see that being an excellent use case. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for uh, I'm using it to plan out the um, Dorsai thing next year. I've invited a lot of the, many of the people who are involved in 
the back end of running an event and we're starting to set up cards for what do we need to get done so that I can check their progress, they can see my progress, and we can communicate more effectively. Thinking of communicating more effectively, I... Didn't. Oh, God, don't look at me like that when you say that, because I feel like this is a buzzword version of we need to talk. No, it's not. Oh, thank God. It's not. It's, <sighs> a, seg- it's a segue to my interview with oh, thank God. Um, Alan Wexelblot, who, um, I, you remember a couple episodes I had Michelle on, his wife, and so I had an opportunity to talk to her husband, uh, Alan, and he we talked about communication because that's something they're both very big on, and we talked about his methodology, and I want you guys to hear it right after this. It's okay, Internet. We don't need to talk. folks i am here with my friend alan and we are going to talk about how alan stays productive in his job as a your ui ux is that correct yeah so technically my title is senior design manager okay and uh what i do is ui user experience usability so trifecta so yeah so why don't you give us a full introduction and and kind of a, a a little bit of a deeper dive into that into the ui ux thing yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> sure. Um, so uh, I've been doing this for, depending on how you count, like 25 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, long time, so I'm kind of like old and gray. And uh, I really love it. I, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people who, who's really fortunate that um, both that uh, society has decided to pay well for what I love doing. So, you know, a lot of people get advised to quit their their so-called day jobs or whatever and go out and do what they love. And, and here I am with a day job that I, that, that lets me do what I love. And, and I love the fact that, um, it's constantly changing. Right. You know, if, if you think about, uh, you know, just what's happened in terms of user experience in the last 10 years alone, it's huge. And if you go all the way back 20 or so years, oh, God, it's yeah. even bigger. So, and you know, I just you know, I just see this as continuing to change and continuing to be different. Um, for myself, I'm something of a chameleon. I don't specialize in one particular area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've bounced around like for the last five years. I literally uh, just this month had my fifth anniversary at my current job, which is working for a company that's in the process industry. So mm-hmm. we primarily do petrochemical. Um, and so if you think of a big oil and gas uh, producer or refiner anywhere around the world, they probably run our software. And if you can think of a big uh, chemicals company, um, they probably run our software too. And the thing is that a lot of people don't think that, that there's, there's UI or UX around that kind of software. A lot of us, a lot of people, I'm, I'm not meaning us, but a lot of people think, when we think about the chemical industry or, or the, the heavy industries, you think big machines with, you know, old-style mechanical buttons that you bang on and stuff. Not that it has uh, a software 
uh, running it all and it needs a UI and a, a proper user experience the way your new on-screen car stereo does or your your uh, your phone or any of that stuff. Right? Yeah, that, that is exactly right. And in addition, the company that I work for is, um, you know, we're, we're kind of the market leader in a lot of things. So we tend to be more of like an on uh, end-to-end solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just uh, we help uh, these people, for example, plan uh, their production in their plants. We help them schedule the various machines that are going to be used. We help them manage the supply chain that brings in various materials. Um, I was literally at a plant in New York near Albany not that long ago and talking with one of their people. They have some really fascinating materials. Uh, their output is is silicones of various sorts, right? So right, right. You know, if you have like a silicone caulk like you're using mm-hmm. or, like in your bathroom or something, they probably make it. Um, but they also make some very special materials. They have like UV resistant stuff, right? So if yep. you have you know a, a piece of equipment that has to sit out in the sun every day all year, you know you want to protect it. Um, mm-hmm. So that sort of stuff. And some of the materials that they use in making it are really, really tricky to manage. Um, they have one that is very temperature sensitive. Mm-hmm. So literally, they cannot ship it um, between April and September. It just gets too warm sitting in the container. So and that's bad. That is that's that, bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so our software helps them plan around that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do a lot of work on the process side. So if you think about uh, at a very, very high level, a plant like this um, has to balance um, heat uh, or energy and material. Right. right. So you have, you know, physics will tell you you can neither create nor destroy these things, right? Mm-hmm. You can convert one to the other in various ways. So, you know, you've got various materials that come in, whether it's like um, air gases, like nitrogen, hydrogen, things like that, or whether it's a petroleum product of some kind, Mm -hmm. and then various things come out the other end, you know, like, you know, obviously gasoline for your car, but also stuff like asphalt, like, you Mm -hmm. know, you make roads out of, um, as well as, you know, higher end stuff like um, propane or jet fuel or whatever in stuff like that. And you really need uh, you know, a very tight control over all of that. So our software helps people plan that stuff out, tells them what the process is going to cost, um, helps them figure out reliability and maintainability of their plant. Mm-hmm. We have a whole set of safety software. So yeah, when you get down to the UI and UX of the process industry, it's a really, really varied kind of set of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, that go into it, and I love it. You know, like yeah. like I came in here with no chemical engineering background. <laughs> I work with a lot of chemical engineers, and now you know I can fake being one, <laughs> and I fake it pretty well actually. Fake it until um, you and, make you know, it, right? <laughs> for for you know the before I came here, I worked in financial services. So, you know, if you want to know why the stock market is doing weird things, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, you know, so I worked on you know things like like. Uh, um, like the funds, like like mutual funds, like you know, like you have your retirement account in. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I worked on those, and I worked on some trading stuff. And again, I came into it without a finance background, mm-hmm. but as the UI UX guy, I have to be kind of like um, a chameleon of sorts. Mm-hmm. A you know, quick like, study too. Say again. A quick study. Yeah, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> do that. Uh, I, I I fake it until I make it, basically. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, and I'm enjoying it, and I you know, I like the fact that I get to do these different things and have different challenges. And so with with all these different things and these different challenges and the way things are are 
I guess changing every couple of years as you're changing uh, jobs or companies or who you're working for. Um, mm-hmm. How do you keep yourself organized through all that? Um, uh, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, the system I've has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I've, with the tools like Google Calendar is a godsend. I'm mm-hmm. I'm totally invested in the Google ecosystem um, for for better or worse. I think the, you know, I've been sort of thinking about this question as a, you know, coming on this podcast and right, right. having that be like the central theme. And I think for me, the key has always been mm-hmm. to what degree can I put things into the normal course of what I'm doing? So like okay. in my past career, mm-hmm. I was a programmer. Like I started off as a coder, spent about nine, 10 years doing coding things. And when I was a coder, and, you know, we used to have these really big, clunky monitors. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to tape things around my monitor. And then we got sticky notes. And so my monitor became covered in sticky notes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, email came along and it became a thing. And so I started putting stuff into email. And, of course, like a lot of people, you know, my email got big and unwieldy <laughs> and unmanageable. But still, it was a way for me to get the information that I needed for organization into the normal stream. Right. I've tried a bunch of off-board tools like, mm-hmm. you know, like nowadays you have apps like Remember the Milk and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're specialized in that. Um, I use Slack, for example, and Slack has a, uh, like a built-in uh, scheduler reminder thing uh, built into it. Yep. And those are cool, but the problem is that they require me to take that first step remembering to go do the thing. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and if I fail that first step, then it doesn't matter how good the system is because I'm not engaged with it. Whereas something that's on my monitor mm-hmm. uh, is always there for me to glance at. Something that's in my email, well, I look at my email pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have scrap paper, whether it's at my desk that I'm sitting at now at home or at my desk at work. Mm-hmm. I always have scrap paper there and I'm always jotting myself notes. Yeah, right? I, I so find myself doing that even now. It's like, oh, wait, here's something we discussed in the Scrum. Let me just jot this down real quick so I remember it later, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and and that, the fact that it's on my desk all day while I'm working or all evening when I'm at home makes it Mm -hmm. much more likely that I'm going to uh, remember it because I'll look down and I'll see that thing and I'll go, oh yeah, that's it. Um, I also do stuff like um, I write on my hands. Um, I, I will write notes uh, uh, or jot, you know, little memos to myself on the back of my hand, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because it, it enables me to leverage other people as part of my reminder system. Because <laughs> if I don't look at it, someone's going to go, what's that on your hand? And I look down and go, oh, right, I was supposed to do that thing. Doesn't work so well with a fountain pen, let me tell you. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, no, the, I just the point in the, point. Yeah, yeah, the point in the scrapey is, is not pleasant. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, I would say that, like, regardless of the system, mm-hmm. that's the unifying principle for me: is can I get the information into my normal course of the day, right, into your and, normal flow? Yeah, exactly. And and so, to the degree that I can do that, um, it's much much easier for me to organize and and stay focused and remember it. And if I have mm-hmm. to go out of my way. It's it takes an extra level of effort for me. Okay, so the next question, which I think you've covered a large part of, is what systems and or habits are valuable to you? And so we already know Google is, like, really important. 
um, yeah. and and that integration, but also having the having something to just having something to write with and write on handy at all times. Yep. Yep. That's right. I always carry mm-hmm. a pen, and mm-hmm. I try to have scrap paper nearby mm-hmm. so that I can jot notes to myself. That's that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know um, the the. The various functions, there's some add-ins for the Google ecosystem that I'm very fond of. There's one called Boomerang that works with Gmail, which is awesome, and I love their stuff and Mm -hmm. pay free advertising for them. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the the ability to look at a thing, because I'll often, you know, I mean, probably the canonical example of this is like buying tickets, like whether it's plane tickets or concert tickets or mm-hmm. show tickets or whatever, right? You buy them some amount of time in advance. And with the amount of stuff that pours into my inbox, if I just leave it sit in my inbox, it gets pushed down too far. Right. I really wish Google had better organization and, and sorting capabilities, but it doesn't. Um, so Boomerang just basically allows me to get that thing out of my inbox and then have it reappear at the top of my inbox. Mm-hmm. At the right time, which goes back to this idea of it shows up in my normal stream of activities, which is always to check my new mail Mm -hmm. at the right time, whether that's, you know, the day before or day of or, you know, even a week in advance, depending on what the thing is, you know, I'll set it to boomerang back at that particular time. Now, everybody who's listening who is familiar with the Google ecosystem is going to ask this very question, and that is, what about Inbox by Google? I've tried it, and I really don't like it. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay. So, yeah. I suspect that if I was primarily a mobile user, I would like it more. So mm-hmm. now I'm sort of putting on my UX hat, right? Right, right. And, and part of what UX core discipline is, is when you're building a system, you are not the user. Right? I said right. earlier that I can fake being a chemical engineer, but I'm really not. Mm-hmm. I'm not a chemical engineer. I'm not a process engineer. I'm not a safety engineer. You know, These are the people that I'm building software for. And if I you know, look at a thing and say, okay, that looks good, mm-hmm. then I'm doing my job wrong. So when you ask this question, I sort of look at it as what is the persona or set mm-hmm. of people that I think Google probably designed this for? And my intuition is that they designed it primarily for the mobile user. Right. Right. For the person yeah. who has a small screen, needs a mm-hmm. few things, and and wants them to be very clear and distinct, which are things that I think that Inbox does very well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if you're me, and I'm just going to click over here. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have, because it's hilarious, in my main inbox right now, I have 354 messages. Mm-hmm. And in my forums, quote unquote, I have five thousand eight hundred forty-seven. Now, obviously, I'm never going to read five thousand eight hundred forty-seven. I just right. those are the ones I haven't dealt with yet. I'm going to deal mm-hmm. with them at some point. I promise, really, for sure. Um, so you know, you you pour that amount of information into mm-hmm. inbox, and it just it chokes, and it becomes unwieldy and hard for me to do things like search and scan, find mm-hmm. the mail that I want. Right. So you know, there's a particular thing um, coming up on Thursday at MIT and I need to be able to find it, right? Right. With the current Gmail, mm-hmm. it's trivial. I find it really fast. Mm-hmm. If I was trying to do this in inbox, nah, not happening. Mm-hmm. It would just take me way too long. The, right. the friction is just too high mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and now I'm I'm one of those people who's all about uh, the inbox zero. So I have two emails in my inbox right now and I feel really bad about it. 
<laughs> and um, my, my inbox would make you insane. Yeah, no, um, and uh, but I also have a, a whole thing where yeah, I have a folder or I have a search set up for here's all the unread stuff, and I just plow through it. And if there's something I need to deal with, I'll either drop it back in the inbox. Like I filter the living daylights out of things, so it's all labeled and tagged and all that stuff before I even log on. You know, and then and then if it's something I actually need to deal with, I'll start or mark it important. And then go deal with the important things and the timely things, or set up appointments and things like that. But it's it's a really different flow. Your flow is actually, I think, very similar to most people I know, and that is that their inbox is their to do list in a, in in not too um, blunt a statement, right? Um, your inbox is literally that. It is the inbox for everything, and if there's something in your inbox, it has to be dealt with eventually, even if it's not right this second. <clears throat> I'm not sure that that's entirely true. I don't want to mm-hmm. sort of contradict contradict you. No, feel but free. I say, Please, like, I, if I'm wrong, tell me, so I cannot be wrong in the future. So, my inbox is things that might be valuable. Okay, it's not about to do mm-hmm. because a lot of the stuff in my inbox is things that I want to know about mm-hmm. or things I want to read. So, for example, I'm just looking at the top thing, two things in my inbox right now, one of which is the newsletter that came from my elder child's high school. They send out a weekly newsletter. Uh, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what's going on at that school because my kid is there. Right. I'm probably not going to do anything about it. It's not like I need to sign the kid up for anything. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what's going on, and and you know, based on what the school chooses to tell me about, mm-hmm. that also tells me a bit about what the school thinks is important, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that's that's sort of a secondary kind of information that's that's valuable mm-hmm. to know. So so in that sense, and then the second thing is, um, uh, are you familiar with Kurzgesagt? It's a, a like a science video cartoony thing. No, I don't think I'm I not familiar with that. They're on Patreon. I'll send you the link. Yeah, they're, they're, beautiful. they're they're kind of they're kind of uh, interesting, sort of wacky mm-hmm. UK people uh, that do fun science videos and stuff. So you know, mm-hmm. it's all good. And I'm not again not likely to do anything about it. It's a Patreon thing. I mm-hmm. get it because I'm on their Patreon. It's not like I'm going to increase or decrease my pledge or whatever based on this video. But it's informational. Right. Right. right, and then the third thing is um, uh, something uh, about a talk that's at MIT, which mm-hmm. I probably am not going to do anything about, but I want to at least know, you know, hey, MIT Forum has this thing and it's an interesting guy, mm-hmm. you know. And then farther on down, you get to stuff like, okay, so Michelle sent me a thing about taxes that I probably need to review, and there's oh, a thing probably, about yeah. recipes that I plan to cook, so you mm-hmm. know, yeah. So it's it's this mix of there mm-hmm. are some things I need to do, but it's more like an mm-hmm. informational thing. Like I don't read a lot of magazines. I read a lot fewer mm-hmm. books than I used to. So my inbox has become full of newsletters. I have a finance newsletter. Right. I have a morning news summary newsletter. I have a, a, a space and technology newsletter. All of these things show up you know, mm-hmm. either daily or you know, uh, a couple times a week. And so my inbox becomes like the morning paper. I'm old enough to, you know, oh, yeah, have, yeah. have had a morning newspaper and, and remember reading it to find I, out what's going on in the world and, and, and just be informed. I'm pretty you know sure I mean? we're not that much different in age. So, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I've, I actually had a newspaper subscription until 
um, I want to say just before uh, Ursula moved in, because I wasn't reading it, right? I, I had really just stopped reading it in favor of online sources, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and it didn't help that, uh, you know, it would be like, okay, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm going to work, I'll grab the paper from the driveway and continue on, and then I had a pile of newspapers in my back seat because I wouldn't take them into the office and right yep. and then yep. I wanted to know something so I'd go look it up and it's like why am I bothering with a newspaper right right yeah and it, yeah. It's, it ceases to have its intended function mm-hmm. let alone any useful function yep right yeah no I agree with that mm-hmm. so anyway the yep. the inbox is that and then the mm-hmm. second thing I mean as long as we're talking about the Google ecosystem I think it's worth mentioning calendar yep because I think from a particularly from a family perspective the calendar is very helpful, and mm-hmm. um, this is a thing where we've gone through a bunch of different technologies. Um, right. You know, we we had a, a, a raceable, uh, reusable calendar that was on the post in the kitchen and stuff like that. But the the Google Calendar, particularly the ability to have multiple of them, is mm-hmm. another one of those things that has been a lifesaver. Oh yeah, uh, there's four of us in the family. Mm-hmm. All of us have a calendar. There's a calendar for the dog. Yeah, I, I was like, that's actually kind of not a bad idea. It's just that in our house we'd need six calendars to cover everything but the chickens that weren't human. So Right. <laughs> and then we have specialty ones so we can mm-hmm. share with others. So, like, uh, my younger kid goes to a private school that mm-hmm. doesn't provide transport. So we have a carpool calendar. Okay, yeah. So all the parents who participate in the, in the carpool can mm-hmm. figure out who's responsible for picking up who when – Mm-hmm. And can put in things like, oh, you know, we're going away on a ski trip, so, you know, so-and-so is not going to be there, so somebody has to arrange to cover those uh, those mm-hmm. carpool visits. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where I feel like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the... You know the deal with the devil, and, and <laughs> certainly certainly the the, the recent publicity mm-hmm. uh, around uh, privacy breaches and what have mm-hmm. you, and just getting a sense for knowing how much data about me Google actually has. You know, it's it's uh, that it is the deal with the devil. But hey, it it yeah. it, it makes our lives. It's like the the trade off for convenience and accessibility and usability is worth it uh, from in in my mind at least versus the concerns around privacy because if i was worried 100% about privacy i would stick 100% to the paper yep methods yeah definitely um, yeah definitely um so yeah now i was also uh, told to ask um michelle said to ask you how you keep your D campaign organized <laughs> and we can either we can either save that for after the rest of the questions or we can go through that now because I'm thinking if it is if it is organized like uh, differently then that's a fast it, it'll sort of be that fascinating float between um the two you know the the two mindsets here's what I do every day here's how I do it and then here's the one I have set aside for the role playing game. No, the D&D campaign is completely differently organized. It mm-hmm. should be better. Mm-hmm. Like I've moved a few things online. Mm-hmm. Like um we have a um an attendance sheet. Mm-hmm. So uh so it's it's literally it's a Google spreadsheet mm-hmm. and uh you know we just add columns It's this rolling thing where we add columns for potential dates for future games and people can sign up for them. Mm-hmm. Um I've thought about using other tools like i noticed you use doodle and i use doodle for oh, yeah. a lot of one-off meetings like for aresia and stuff mm-hmm. but 
the problem that I have with Doodle is that it doesn't allow the sort of flexibility. So, for example, um, you know, uh, um, in the attendance sheet, uh, a number of us are parents who often sometimes will have things for for the family or kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of my players will say, well, you know, I can be there, but I have to leave at five because so-and-so has a recital. Right, right. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't do that with the Doodle system. Right, right. Right? So so the spreadsheet gives us that level Mm -hmm. of flexibility um, that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've moved to we do we do fairly extensive uh, uh, session notes. Mm-hmm. We do those as Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Those are shared. Um, but the actual planning of the campaign mm-hmm. is a horrifying combination of paper notes and my brain. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as the I, GM, I really yeah, no, that, but I haven't. Oh. I keep looking at. I've, I've started. Uh, we started using Obsidian Portal for ours. Which is a fantastic tool, um, or not Obsidian Portal? We were we are using Obsidian Portal because that's like got the wiki, it's got the place for the notes, it's got all of that, and then there's Roll Twenty, which handles the character sheets and the maps and everything like that. Because we're we're geographically dispersed, we can't actually get together in person without right. airplanes involved. And um, as a GM, Obsidian Portal has been fantastic because I can put in things like, okay, here's an NPC, and I can mark it private, and they don't have to see it. And there's a wiki, and every wiki page has GM notes. So mm-hmm. I could be doing the whole thing in Obsidian Portal if I really wanted to, and then just exposing the pieces to the players I, I or public, because it also has that option, um, as I wanted to versus versus having to, like, okay, here it is on a Google Doc for everything, but don't look at these parts yet. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Send mm-hmm. me the URL. It's really oh, yeah. worth checking yeah. out. I've checked out a couple of different mm-hmm. systems, and none of them have really grabbed me as being, oh, I must have this thing. So, well, when I know. started when I started looking at them, um, they were nowhere near ready for this, and so I I stuck to paper or paper and OneNote or paper and paper or <laughs> until we we were changing systems. Then I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe it's time to to see how the landscape has changed, and I'm like, oh, this is everything I had sort of wanted, but didn't know had matured to this point. So, right. yeah, no, I will totally send you links as soon as we're, we're done. Yeah. Some of this has to do with the fact that the campaign is insanely long-running. I assume Michelle has told you how long this iteration of the campaign has been going on. The world that they're in is mm-hmm. a world that I've been GMing since I was an undergrad. Like, this, this world has all the things in it. Yeah. And that's a scary concept. I think that's uh, that's you and um, Diane Diana Harlan Stein. Um, do you know Diana? I do not. Um, Apparently, I should. She's she's a uh, she's a fantastic artist. She's a, a, a friend. She's a Dorsai regular. Um, but she's also been running a campaign for something like thirty years. Cool. So yeah, no, it was like she left. The day that she she's been doing this long enough, but the the, the day fifth edition came out was Anthrocon was like uh-huh. an Anthrocon day. She left the con where she was a dealer and artist to go get the fifth edition books on release day in Pittsburgh, where she doesn't even live. But because it was release day, she had to pick them up. And I'm like that. That's Okay, maybe you're a little little more hardcore than I am. It's cool. Yeah, that's um, pretty hardcore. Yep, and I'm going to get her on the show at some point in the future. Um, but uh, I, I missed out this this last time I saw her. So, yeah, hear, hear that, Diana? Your turn is coming. 
<laughs> yeah, my players gave me one of the fifth edition books, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I like. I don't say that. I wouldn't say that I like the complexity, but mm-hmm. I like the depth. We're still three five. We kind of we kind of looked at Pathfinder when we were converting out of three o three o. I had heavily house rules modded, yeah. and. In retrospect, it would have been better to switch to Pathfinder, but it would have been more of a forklift upgrade, and I didn't want to do it at that point. And I have the I, we were we got into it um, about two years after fourth, or I should say back into it because I have all my first edition like advanced Dungeons and Dragons books. Yeah. But um, but when it was time to rerun a game, it was uh, fourth was the thing. Mm-hmm. And I liked it, and then I didn't like it over time, but by that point, we were really kind of wedded to it. And yep. so it was like finding the right point in the story to be able to make the switch. Yep. So. Yeah, no, I sympathize mm-hmm. with that. Yep. Now, fourth Ed horrified me. I've, so I've I ended up played doing worse. a lot of house rule stuff <laughs> yeah. to try and fix things that try and fix things that are that are were not great in 3.0, and a number of them did get fixed mm-hmm. in 3.5, but anyway, oh, yeah. we've gotten off the topic. Um, so yeah, yeah. My, my, my campaign organization is is a lot dependent on my mm-hmm. memory. Um, right. Players have helped and pitched in in various ways. One of the players has a fairly extensive calendar of things that the players <laughs> or the characters know is going to happen. Right. So, you know, he, he'll say, he'll tell the other characters, by the way, you may want to remember that you promised your fiance you were going to go dress shopping with her in three days from now. <laughs> and they're like, they're in the abyss right now. So it's a little bit of a challenge to figure out what to do. But, you know, it's so nice there's to some, have a reminder. There's some urgency in getting out of the abyss at that point, but okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so... All right, we've talked about systems and habits. We've talked about the D&D campaign, which, you know, I, several of the listeners are... Are, are interested in anyway. Um, Good for them. So uh, what is, what's the best advice or piece of feedback you've been given? Uh, uh, you mean in general? I mean, what are we looking for? Oh, you got to narrow that down a little bit. Well, yeah. I had to ask like the, it, like five different areas for Michelle. So, okay. Um, in uh, just with the whole idea of personal organization or keeping yourself on track, what is the best advice or um, uh, the the best feedback you've been given? So I think the best advice I've ever gotten mm-hmm. is to track your successes. Oh right, yeah. We're we're often good at, and a lot of these tools focus on and help you organize the future. Right. Whether it's like a, a list of groceries I'm going to buy, or you know, an outline for a novel that's going to take me 18 months to write. Mm-hmm. All of this is future looking, and the problem with that is that just you know, my background is in psych, and so knowing what I know about human beings and how we think and respond to things, it can be hard for people to look at an uh, you know an ongoing and and you know not necessarily rapidly changing um set of needs goals demands whatever it is mm-hmm. and it's very easy when you're confronted with that day in and day out to forget what you have done what your successes are what your achievements and accomplishments were right it's right. easy for us to forget that so, you know, 
I, I've seen people use different systems for this. One mm-hmm. is just a very simple – you have a list. Instead of rewriting the list, just um, uh, cross it off. So, so uh, you know, I was talking about this plant that I visited uh, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. our company. Right, they right. do a very interesting version of this where they have for, you know, for this um, um, building, they have so many machines and these are the things they're going to produce. And every time they succeed in producing a batch of whatever it is, mm-hmm. they put a check mark next to it and everyone who was in any way involved in that puts their initials next to it. So at the end of the week, they have this chart that's full of check marks with people signing and saying, I did this thing, I did this thing, I did this thing. Right? right, and so at the end of the week, you can really look at that and go, "This is what we were able to do." Right, and so that's a very persistent uh, um, and 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 you know communal reminder of successes. And one of the things I like about it is because it fits into my pattern that I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. where this is posted in adjacent area adjacent to the walkway where every single person who works in that building walks past that board at least twice a day when they come in in the morning and when they go home at the end of their shift. So there's also a point there where they can come in in the morning and when they're leaving, they can see how things have improved or how, how, how everybody's moving forward just as part of the, the day to day. And that's right. Yeah. And so it, it's a way to, wow, that's, that's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not able to articulate what, it, what's processing through my brain right now. It's, it's. It's like this is the almost the epitome of here is us sharing our success mm-hmm. with the entire company and that showing that if one part of us is successful, we're all successful. Yep. Yeah, and I love the fact that it's team focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's not. And I also like the fact that it's um, you know bottom up. It's not that the manager or organizer or boss writes down the initials. It's every person mm-hmm. puts their initials. Onto their thing, right? You know, it's like a little personal stamp. I mm-hmm. did this thing. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm part of this team, and so I think that's really good, both in terms of organizational as well as that sort of, you know, team spirit building mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and and I, I have to wonder then, um, as part of a a an overall, if someone is slacking or someone can't pull their full load that week is there some aspect of like one if you're a slacker just in general you're not going to last very long because people are going to get you know it's, it's going to become very difficult to maintain a, a job in a place where they're like we know you're slacking and yet you're taking all this credit with the rest of us mm-hmm. um, versus also the we know you've been sick we know you tried your best go ahead and put your initials up there Yep. Right. And so that that brings in an in a, a fantastic, or if not fantastic, at least really fascinating, um, like cultural dynamic um, that is either going to cause you know either you're going to love it or it's going to drive you insane and you're going to leave the company. That's, right. Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And there's similar sorts of things where you know again it's one of those things where. Um, you know, uh, um, another coworker that I used to work with mm-hmm. would uh, uh, literally, um, you know, he had a bunch of things, uh, details not important, but they were basically like list minders. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would uh, copy stuff down onto three by five or, uh, cards, and then eventually they became, you know, yellow sticky notes. Right, right. And when they were done, he would just put them on the left side of his desk, right? So right. he would 
accumulate this thing, you know, as a literal stack of stuff, right? You know how stacks of the three by five cards grow. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so he was not paying attention to the individual items that he had done, mm-hmm. but rather the the sense that the stack of I have done these things mm-hmm. was growing. Right, right. It, you know, and that for him was a very visual um, uh, um, marker. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right word is for this thing here, you know? Well, it's, but, it's, it's almost, it's, it's gamifying. I mean, it really is gamifying in the, in the, uh, I guess in some of the earliest sense of the word, because you're, you're giving yourself, um, maybe not the same level of a dopamine rush, but you're giving yourself th- that little rush when you look at that pile and say, that pile was shorter yesterday and it's taller today. And it'll yep. be taller tomorrow, right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. You know, and again, this the, the, one of the reasons this sticks in my head again because mm-hmm. it's it's similar to what I was saying, where he kept this pile on his desk, mm-hmm. so it was something that he would look at multiple times during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I've enjoyed about uh, getting uh, the company that I work for moving more into an agile uh, sprint method oh, yeah. is that it, it. You know, you get these uh, things like burndown charts. Mm-hmm. Right, which are kind of like a core feature of the uh, various agile methods, mm-hmm. and that really helps you see, you know, what is the team accomplishing, right? And right. that, um, you know, versus what could we be accomplishing, versus what uh, what do we have left to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And you can sort of, you know, uh, again the, the various tools, but usually what they do is they mark from the start of the sprint, right? Right. So, so you have that whole history as you're approaching the end of the sprint. You don't mm-hmm. erase the past. I think that's sort of the the key feature that ties all these together is you don't erase the past, right? And and you can like even even in the case of of your pile of cards. Okay, this week is over. We're it's time to move that that pile. But I maybe I've got a box that has just you know because like three by five index card boxes where the you can still get them like to hold ridiculous amounts of cards and you would have those dividers in them. So you could, you could actually look back and say, this is what I've accomplished this month, or this is what I've accomplished this year. Yep. Right. And, um, and yes, you can do that with a lot of the scrum and agile and, and sprint tools as well to go, okay, so here's, um, you know, the whole velocity measurement where you look at it and you go, okay, here's what we did last sprint. Here's what we did the sprint before, blah, da, 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 and you can see that trend building. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um. Wow. All right. Um. So that. Uh. So that's the professional. Uh, do you have any other uh, advice or or words of wisdom, like on the personal side or on the running a campaign side, that um, that you know you'd uh, you've you've really uh, uh, taken to heart, or um, or you know anything else uh, along this. This line of inquiry. <laughs> um, so lots of things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I go, I sit on GM panels at Aresia and other places. Right. So, you know, there's lots and lots of GM advice that we like to swap stories about. But, mm-hmm. but thinking about it in terms of organization, um, I think one of the things that has been interesting to me because I didn't expect it, and I still mm-hmm. sometimes get surprised by it, mm-hmm. is the maintain the system of record. So I have, you know, many years ago got convinced by one of my players uh, to do a very smart thing, which is to create a loot sheet, okay? Yeah. And 
this is a spreadsheet again. It's a Google Doc, and but mm-hmm. it's private to me. And every item of potential loot that ever could exist, or that players ha- could have gotten, mm-hmm. is in there as a row, and it has a unique identifier. And the reason for that is because at some point, players are going to just pull things out of their bag. <laughs> And they're going to go, okay, I use this foo. And I'm like, what is that? And where did you get it? And mm-hmm. they go, oh, it's number 394. You go back and okay. you go, oh, well, yeah, Let so it is. Let me go look that up. Yeah. Okay, I now know what 394 was, and I know where they got it, mm-hmm. and I know what it does that they don't know that it does. Right. So that helps a lot, having that sort of mm-hmm. system of record and having it be persistent over time. Mm-hmm. is a big one that helps a lot. In the office context, I'm still trying to evolve. I used mm-hmm. to be a compulsive note taker mm-hmm. and have um, engineering notebooks. Um, in other companies that I've worked at, you know, you would have ideas and you would go mm-hmm. through lawyers and patenting processes and it would have, you know, it would be important to document those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And I've done that for many years and I recently started an experiment of not doing it. Because I found that it had become rote for me, and it wasn't helping me. Right. So now right. I'm doing this you know, same sort of daily routine, but instead of writing things into this notebook, I'm just depending on my calendar to help me remember what's happened. Mm-hmm. And it's still working out fairly well. you know. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the sort of core advice from that mm-hmm. is just pull your systems out and reexamine them from time to time. Mm-hmm. Because there's stuff that you fall into habits of that aren't necessarily helping you anymore, that you're just doing because you've always done it that way. And maybe it's not the best thing to do in your current context or your, you know, your current needs. Maybe you've outgrown it. Maybe it's something that isn't necessary anymore. Maybe there's technology that will make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one, which I think is mm-hmm. true for both for both systems as well as others that we haven't talked about, like mm-hmm. in personal situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I said, as I said, I read a lot of these newsletters, and mm-hmm. I like, you know, I can, I, I get lost in the, watching TED talks and stuff like that. And I honestly don't remember where I found this piece of advice. Mm-hmm. But the the advice boils down to offload what you can to trusted systems. Yes, I believe that might have rolled out of uh, David Allen and getting things done. At least that's where I picked it up the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So the basic thesis is that human beings, and I like the fact, I like things that are psychologically grounded, but the idea (laughs) is that human beings will sort of, will chew on stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We have to remember it and we'll, we'll constantly chew on things. But if you somehow can offload it to a trusted system, whether that's like we were talking about before, like a reminder in Google Calendar or mm-hmm. a boomerang in Gmail or whatever it is, something that you believe will will correctly remember it for you, mm-hmm. then you can stop spending your cycles working on remembering it and spend your cycles on other things. Right. 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 So, so that's that's like a a piece of advice that I think is really useful just across the board. And it's also helpful if you have anxiety, right? Yes. So that yeah, yes, if you have anxiety and you know there's a thing that's going to happen, put it in that calendar with a reminder, so now you don't have to worry about forgetting it. Yep. Right? Put it put it in that notebook that you go through every Monday to see what you've got to do this week, so that you know it's like right there, and you will be reminded of it at least once or twice. Right. 
Um, yep. For people who are anxious and who are uh, who are scared they're going to miss something, and um, I know that feeling very well because that used to be me. Um, that's still me. Yeah. Um, but that's 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 a huge one. You know, get it get it someplace where you can trust it, where you know it'll be safe, and where you know it'll remind you. Then you you don't have to constantly stress over it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, that is very true. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, what works as a trusted reminder system for for any given person is mm. something that you have to figure out for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no one size fits all. Even though the every self help book guru website uh, article, what have you, will say this is the one true system that will work for everybody. Yeah, that's absolute bullshit, and you have to find the one that works for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I find that somewhat challenging in a corporate environment because mm-hmm. you know in corporate environments. Uh, you know, for whatever reasons, they don't necessarily allow you to have your preferred tools. You mm-hmm. have to use the corporate this or the corporate that. Right. Um, and so for me, that can be something of a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, my my company recently banned Slack some like, yeah. a year or so ago, um, mm-hmm. which was a real hit to my productivity. Right. Uh, we, we got Microsoft Teams. and oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So, funny story, which you can include in the podcast or not, as you please. Uh, Teams has this really interesting feedback uh, thing, where it's, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a crowdsourced feedback. Mm-hmm. So, I, I figured, okay, well, you know, I'll leave them some feedback. And, you know, my feedback was more or less along the lines of, please make this more Slack-like. Right. And what was hilarious to me is just reading over the crowdsourced feedback, mm-hmm. how many comments were of that form. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And... And as a UX guy, that's very interesting to me because it tells me that Slack hit some sort of sweet spot oh, in yeah. terms of its user experience. And and that's very good because, again, you know, this we mentioned this earlier, I try very hard not to think of myself always as the intended user. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I know that Slack re- works really well for me, but that doesn't mean – that it necessarily works really well for everyone. And certainly there's a lot of people, as, as you may know, Aresia uses Slack. Right. And there are a number of people in the Aresia community who don't like it, don't understand it, don't see a reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. So clearly there, there are people for whom this tool is not the right tool. Yep. But, you know, looking at the comments on the Microsoft Teams site, it's like, yeah, okay, they, they definitely have a, a, a devoted audience mm-hmm. and a and a set of people who are really into this particular way of doing things. And they, and, you know, even even with the other, like, okay, I'm old school, and I was like, oh, I don't know, this isn't, you know, I, I have to log onto the website, or I have to use their client. I don't get a chance to use my client or choice. I'm a Linux guy. Of course that's what I'm going to be thinking, right? Um, until recently, they had uh, an IRC gateway, and they had a uh, XMPP gateway. So if I wanted to use my chat client of choice, Without yeah. having to have something specific to their protocol, I could. Um, yeah. And My understanding is it's a security problem, that it was just not worth it to them to, to close that security hole. It's, it's easier to close the close it entirely. Yeah, well, it's um, IRC is difficult. XMPP is a little easier, but yeah, again, you know, you close the security holes, it's, sometimes it's easier to, to decom a, a protocol support than it is to actually fix the problem. Yep, So very much so. Yep. All right, um, now for the fun question. Not okay. that the questions haven't been fun, but um, <laughs> uh, 
But uh, how do you reward yourself for a job well done or for hitting that milestone or just for, you know, I had a good day? How, you know, oh, how, do you, how do you reward yourself? Yeah. Um, so my rewards are uh, uh, very easy, very immediate, very tangible things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I play computer games. I love games, and they are my reward, uh, <laughs> uh, as well as de-stressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I refer to a lot of my job as being sure that I make all my diplomacy roles. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're going back to D&D references, yeah. boy, do I, boy, do I exercise that mm-hmm. um, uh, piece of it. And, you know, uh, sometimes I'm like, I cannot talk to people. I am going to go shoot a whole bunch of aliens in the face now. Yeah. That's my reward for not shooting people at the office in the face. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. And then there's, uh, then there's, you know, uh, chocolate. Pretty much it comes down to chocolate, you know. Uh, um, Some years ago I got, uh, uh, I was dating a woman who uh, was very much into the, um, uh, carbs are bad, no carbs thing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what what the the diet. Fad Atkins. Atkins, yes, Atkins, that yeah. that one. And mm-hmm. and I was just like, no, that makes no sense. That is that cannot possibly be right. Mm-hmm. Anything that denies me chocolate is clearly wrong. <laughs> so yeah. so I read a bunch and uh, uh, hit upon this uh, the the uh, the zone theory, mm-hmm. which is basically you should have you know some percentage of your calories from each of these groups and things yep. like that. So. You know, so I do stuff like, uh, you know, I don't eat pasta, breads, cakes, cookies. Mm-hmm. So my reward is I go into the carb category and do chocolate. See, that's and that's, that's that's my thing, man. The the thing I found though, um, because I'm type two diabetic, which means I have to be very careful about what kinds of starches and sugars I ingest. Right, um, and I have to have them because don't we all? Because our body shuts down without the fuel but um but what i found was that the higher the quality of the chocolate and the darker the chocolate the less sugar it actually had mm-hmm. and so suddenly i'm like i was like i can't have chocolate i can't have chocolate wait i can have half a bar of the 80 percent cacao with you know with peanuts well not peanuts usually it's like hazelnuts or, or almonds or you know uh, or, or sea salt or I could have one half of one of those tiny little Hershey's Minis milk chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. I know which one I'm having. And mm-hmm. so it's like now I have an excuse to buy the very expensive, absolutely delicious um, dark chocolates because that is my reward <laughs> oftentimes. Yep. You know? Yep. So those, mm-hmm. those things are, are uh, um, easy yeah. rewards. Bigger rewards are actually really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the things that I tend to want tend to be astronomical. Like, I would love to take a cruise and see the glaciers before they're gone from Alaska. Um, you know, I would really like to get a mm-hmm. very high-end and expensive camera body and get back into portrait photography. Mm-hmm. Those things are harder to do. You know, yeah. when you're looking at, well, yes, but we're still paying off two cars. Because we had to replace both cars, oh, or yeah. you know, we have kids that are going to college, and that mm-hmm. that has to to happen. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, I, I sort of I sort of think about the, the the notion of really big rewards, but I very rarely do them. They're they're, they're one offs mm-hmm. or unusual things when I do. Right, right. Um, what was it? Yeah, no, we we took that. Well, we 
did our honeymoon as an Alaska cruise, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. No, go move that one up the priority list a little bit. It, it, it's <laughs> worth the expense. It's it's absolutely glorious up there. Um, and you'll also see things like uh, killer whales, and um, uh, I think Ursula saw Leighton's albatross, which is you know one of the one of the great albatrosses to see apparently um and mm-hmm. we saw a lot of birds and i you know a lot of uh, a lot of mythology and we i still regret not buying the whale skull in skagway but that's me um but yeah no breakfast at the glacier that's uh because the day we reached the glacier it happened in the morning absolutely fantastic amazing experience just just brilliant Absolutely worth it. Move that yep. one up your list because it's worth it. All right. <laughs> and yeah, I know it's expensive. I, I'm because we did it as a honeymoon. It was it was a little it was there there was our excuse. But that's a good excuse, and yeah. I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. Um, all right. So flip side, other side mm-hmm. of the coin. We talked about rewarding. Um, how do you deal with missing a goal or? Uh, a failure or um, something along those lines when things don't work out the way they're supposed to or you've missed that meeting or you know how, how do you deal with failure basically so a lot depends on whether it's a personal fail or whether it's affecting other people okay right so mm-hmm. I try very hard not to let other people down mm-hmm. and and if if I feel like I've failed in some way that lets uh, my teammates down or my family down or something like that, that's very hard for me to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spend a lot of time kicking myself over that. When it's just me, I don't take it nearly as hard. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, some people will tell you I'm intense and I'm driven and maybe that's true, but I'm not as driven by self-motivation mm-hmm. as I am by the sense that, you know, I owe other people my best and if I'm not bringing my best, then I feel that. Right. So sometimes it's not, you know, it's not under your control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell people when I'm, you know, I'm a manager and, and I try to, to manage this philosophy as well as mm. be managed this philosophy, which is don't surprise me, don't embarrass me. Okay. You okay. know? Yep. So so if there's if there's a situation where I know something is going to go the, the way I wouldn't want it to go mm-hmm. or isn't going to happen or we're going to miss a deadline or whatever, mm-hmm. I will try to let people know as early as possible. Yep. Okay. So that they're not surprised. Mm-hmm. And I will try to do it in such a way that they can, you know, absorb the information and come to some action or decision on their own rather than. Do you know what being pantsed is? Yes. I hate it. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. It's not a fun right. experience. So, so yeah. I I try really hard not to pants people, mm-hmm. or to be pantsed by people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> as for as for failures, it's it is tough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, this is one of those things where I have really liked the 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 agile practices mm-hmm. where you try to be honest about how lo- long you think something's going to take. Mm-hmm. You keep good track of how much time it did take. You do retrospectives mm-hmm. to figure out how good were we at predicting it and right. what did we succeed at, what did we fail at, and how should we change for the next iteration. 
Mm-hmm. That stuff's easier to do in a work context. It's really hard to sort of carry those best practices into other situations. Yeah, it it is. Um, there's a, a concept, at least with getting things done, of the uh, of the weekly and monthly review cycle, and yearly, of course, where you sit down and you look at your past week, and you basically do a retrospective of your past week, um, and the past month, and the past year kind of stuff. Um, and there'll be a lot of talk about it come, like, the week between uh, the winter holidays and New Year's Eve, because that's when everybody's talking about, you know, uh, New Year's... New Year's goals and New Year's resolutions and looking back at the old year and they'll talk about it then but it's it's a good habit to get into um, just to do it personally on a weekly monthly basis even though the the community and I'm putting that in air quotes doesn't doesn't emphasize it as as much as they should right right yep no I agree yeah. and I agree yeah. it's hard to do. You know, to carve out that block of time to say, all right, what did I get done this week? Mm-hmm. And what didn't I get done this week? Yep. So, cool. Um, and that's all the questions. Um, including the bonus question about how you keep your D&D organized, because uh, <laughs> Michelle was like, no, you have to ask him about that. So, no, that was that was fascinating. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't more exciting. No, no. It's, I'm always interested in how people... Um, do things, and especially how other GMs do things, because every single one of us has our has our own little quirks and our way of doing things. Like mm-hmm. yours is track everything, mine is keep a backup plan. Because I don't know about your players, but whatever I plan out for my players, that is absolutely the last thing they're going to do. And so I have to have a backup plan for okay, what do I do when they go when they need to turn right and they turn left instead? Oh yeah, like 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 you have mm-hmm. a you have a sign that says plot this way and an arrow pointing it and they mm-hmm. go in the other direction. We went through phases like that yeah. and I got a little frustrated with them and I sort of stopped and I said, Okay, let's have a meta discussion, which is <laughs> what kind of game do you want to have? Exactly. Right? And we mm-hmm. talked about different styles mm-hmm. um, and you know what what each of us likes and we have some I like more role play. Mm-hmm. In with my combat, and we but we have some people who are who would just be totally happy monster mashing week after week. Yep. And I'm like, okay, I can mix it up a little bit. We can do mm-hmm. more more monster mashes. That's that's cool. Yeah, I can do that. And and you know, then there are other people who you know who would be very happy with a diceless system. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just basically making everything up. And for me, the problem I have with the with that sort of system is I I want to be consistent. Month over month, yep. like if I've ruled that this happens under this circumstance last month, I want it to happen the same way again this, this month. month. I'm very yeah. reality based and physics based, so you know one of the amusing uh, 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 things I'm trying now is uh, the hero points. Okay, right, which yeah, yeah. which is a really interesting thing where basically I'm starting to give out hero points just so that people can say, okay, my character wants to do this really wacky, crazy thing, and I'm like, okay, let's find a way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so many, so many house rulings about. Uh, the only thing I, I have to be careful about is um, making sure I don't set a precedent. Well, you let me do this thing the one time. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, uh-huh. oh, yeah. I get that all the time. <laughs> I get that all the time. Yeah. The other thing about mm-hmm. GMing, mm-hmm. and it's not at all about organization, but mm-hmm. it's about styles. Yeah. You asked. Is I was heavily, heavily influenced by MIT Assassin's Guild. Right. And and okay. the, the 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 idea 
that you can have an overall plot, mm-hmm. but it takes place within a world and everybody has their goals. I'm not a big fan of these things where like, everyone gets together in order to rescue the princess and save the kingdom. Right. right. It's Yes, there's a missing princess, and saving her would would you know uh, help this kingdom. But by the way, um, there are these merchants who have a shipment that got trapped on the other side when this war broke out. And if you you know happen to pass through that town and kind of could resolve this dispute so that the caravan started moving again, they would reward you for that too. And you know, oh, there's yeah. all these layers of plot and and action, and every character in my campaign has things that they are involved in mm-hmm. and the players are very good about you know taking turns about who has center stage right, and right. Uh, who whose plot are we going to work on this time mm-hmm. you know and so yeah. that's that's one of those things that I that I have sort of used as a counter to the players going in the opposite direction I'm like okay so you would like to do that this time sure let's put this thing over there and you can run into that and that will help this other bit of right. plot this other bit. yeah yeah um, and it all boils down to and I think a lot of what we discussed uh, uh, boils down to communicating communicating with your players communicating with um, well yeah communicating with your coworkers setting good expectations with your players or with your GM and and making sure that both uh, both sides are in alignment. Not to put too much corporate speak into that. And uh, somewhere someone <laughs> that is was fil- a very corporate speak sentence. Yeah, someone somewhere out there, someone is like bingoing me right now. Going, all right, I have meeting bingo. All he needs to throw in is swizzle, and we're good. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, and having those meta conversations is really yeah. important. Yeah. And they they and the same the same principles apply outside the game, right? You you need to oh, have yeah. sometimes those same meta conversations with your uh, with your team. Um, yep. You know, I uh, I can't think of the times. Well, I can think of a lot of the times I sat down with my manager and we talked about you know at my last job. Um, but we talked about all right, what are my goals versus the goals of the group versus the goals of the company, and how does this all fit together? And is this the right place for me? And 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 where does my career go over five? Years? I mean, all that sort of thing that um, I think are really important discussions to have. That a lot of times it's it, we look at we look at that sort of a situation as a black and white, as either we're doing okay or we're not doing okay, and right. it's a whole lot more complicated than that. Yeah, it always yeah. is. Yeah, and and you know, it, uh, the the same thing also I think applies in personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I have I have I have startled people by stopping and saying, "Why are we having this argument?" Right. <laughs> it's not about the argument itself. Mm-hmm. It's why are we having this argument? Because yeah. sometimes we really are having that argument, and sometimes we're actually arguing about something else in disguise. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can I, I, I have many examples that I can't actually go into because they're violating someone else's privacy, but yeah. I, I'm well aware of, of that, that thing where what you're arguing about might be that the dishes weren't done, but it's really an argument about something completely uh, something else. And maybe one or both of you don't realize it's about something else until you take a step back and go, oh, wait. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think, 
I mean, you know, that that that's sort of an overarching theme. You know, we've been talking mm-hmm. off and on about organization and and productivity and right. what have you, but I, you know, it's it's a classic error to focus on uh, the individual productivity and ignore the social context. Right. Right. Because the right. best tools and techniques in the world are just going to get you nowhere if you know if your relationships are crappy and your team doesn't work mm-hmm. well together and and all of those quote quote unquote soft things right right you know, get ignored yeah or or there there's a here's where we here's where we start in actually thinking you know the cult thing there's this thing that if you have your business stuff and oh, almost all the time this is about business stuff if you have your professional stuff organized and under control on all of this, then your personal life will be just fantastic. And often, yeah, and often what the truth is is that you are trying to exert control over the professional stuff because it's the place where you have control. And your personal stuff is a, is a complete train wreck, but you're at a complete loss because mm-hmm. you haven't really, you haven't put the work in or you haven't done the, the, the or you haven't communicated effectively to... to be able to say, "Hey, are my relationships in a good place?" or uh, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's actually everything. We've digressed a couple times. <laughs> very good. Um, do you have? Well, I always a- enjoy talking with you. Oh yeah, no, anytime, right? Just just shoot a note or, or, or call. Um, but uh, uh, any final words for the for the listeners at home? Um. So you you mentioned this, and this is a a sort of a touchstone for Mm -hmm. Michelle and myself, Mm -hmm. and I think it's worth putting out there just because it's something I believe in so strongly, which is that that every relationship, whether it's personal Mm -hmm. or professional Mm -hmm. or familiar or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, requires work. Mm -hmm. And and you should do the work that the relationship deserves. Yep. You know, this is one of those things that's the, you know, the old guy's uh, uh, (laughs) school of hard knocks thing right because mm-hmm. because our because our media are so bad at teaching us this mm-hmm. you know uh, these the 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 idea that you should have to work to make a relationship work and you should have to work to make a team function well and mm-hmm. you should have to work to integrate productivity tools into what yep. you're doing yeah it's it's foreign language to a lot of people so you yep. know if i give if if, the, if people carry away one final word it's mm-hmm. you know do the work that the relationship is worth Absolutely awesome. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Alan. It's been fa- it's just been great. And um, for the listeners at home, I'll be right back with our Wombat test subject. go i just read a article about an angry badger wreaking havoc in the cellar of a 500 year old scottish castle which has absolutely nothing to do with the i mean with the interview or, or what we were discussing earlier but uh life but they goals. had to lure it out with cat food and honey sounds about right yeah
Yeah. Now this is this is a, a UK badger. I'm taking. Yes, European yes. badger. European badger. That Very... is why everyone involved still has faces. Yes. Yes. So, I hope everybody inv- enjoyed uh, my talk with Alan. While you guys were listening to that, I was putting the chicken away, which is part of my nightly routine now. I have a checkbox on Habika. Did you put your chicken away? <laughs> of course you do. It's right up there with feed chickens and collect eggs. So you are going to have to. Uh, uh... Well, she's just going to have to take her chances during Anthrocon. She is. She, she is. lived wild for, for months. Mm-hmm. She will She will manage. I think she, she enjoys that, too, because I've figured out how to keep her calm while I'm carrying her to the coop now, and that is I give her a... She, she basically roosts on my finger. So I get her to step off of the, the spot where she's roosting onto my finger. She doesn't want to, but I, I do this. I kind of lift up her feet and put them on my finger, and then I can carry her across balanced on my hand. She seems much better with this than me, like, trying to hold her by her feet or try to get my hands around her. And she was like, yeah, this is cool. Buck, buck, you know, mild. And then when I started to open the door to the coop to put her in, that's when she started to lose her mind. So she's getting used to it anyway. Yes. She won't go in by herself unless the weather is extremely bad. Like, she loves going in the coop normally, like, during the day. She just doesn't want to roost in the coop. Yeah. Because... She, yeah. you know, but we don't want the raccoons, raccoons mostly. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, here on this podcast, we issue open badges. They conform to the Mozilla open badge spec. That means that you can go to the website, you can go to the bottom of any page and enter a code that we give you at the end of every episode. This week's code is Kanban, K-A-N-B-A-N. That way you know what to Google as well when you're trying to figure out what, what does he mean Kanban, C-A-N-B-A-N, that I don't under, understand, yeah. Or you'll find some, like, chat management bot that is Kanban, you know, C-A-N space B-A-N. And so K-A-N-B-A-N is the code this week, and that pretty much sums it up. We have, I have, like, a really kind of full dance card coming up. I've got some really great interviews I have a uh, park ranger. Ooh. I have a German school teacher. I have a... I can't remember what Elizabeth does, but... Oh, oh, a, a tax. Um, a tax consultant. Yes. Which, it, it's a little late. American Tax Day is, I guess... Passed. Yeah, passed by the time you're hearing... You, you heard they had to extend the electronic filing deadline by a day because of system failure. Yes. Yes. So, uh, one of the reasons that I love my accountant is that I literally just sent him a note saying, "Blah blah, not gonna make it. Blah blah, save me. <laughs> blah blah, extension." And his reply was, "Not a problem. Blah blah." Great. I've been going to this guy for like twelve years now. So yeah, we <laughs> kind of got it. We got it down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him for next year. Yes, we have to start filing jointly. Yes, we do. Yes, because now I'm on the house. And, and the... you get, you get, we can f- hopefully offset some of your very large taxes with our very pitiful interest payment. Yes. Yes. But, uh... There's that. Self-employment mm-hmm. is cruel. It is. Very uh, much so. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's great because I love it, but uh, on, in taxes it does require a certain degree of painful organization. It does. It does very much. Which, if you can't do it, outsource it to someone who can. I uh, and that was that was something I covered in my talk. Someone asked me, "How do you do you do um, how do you do accounting at the command line?" And I'm like, "I don't. 
I outsource it. I use online services. Uh, we have, you know, my wife has an accountant and I'm transitioning to that because it's very hard for me to do. It's very hard for me to arrange for, you know, the ta- it's like I can do my taxes really easy with TurboTax. Now I can't do your taxes with TurboTax. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, my taxes no. require a specialist. Right, and so um, I was explaining the principle of hiring a specialist because your time is worth money, yeah. and if you can find someone who will cost less to pay than the amount of hours it will take you to do it, absolutely do that because it will save you t- headaches and it will save you time, and really we should just wrap up because we could go for like 10 minutes just on speaking of saving time yeah exactly so again code this week kanban don't forget you can like us or follow us on twitter and facebook and at least those places the facebook thing is horribly broken Uh, yeah yeah even even if you follow us on facebook if I could actually get the stupid thing to auto-post there. You might see one in a thousand. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there's... And, don't worry about it. Yeah. But uh, tell your friends, tell your family, you can buy me a coffee. Yes. At uh, ko-fi.com slash ksunny, K-S-O-N-N-E-Y. It's linked on the, the webpage. You can support us on Patreon, which we're still... We'll have to add a, a, a card to your Kanban about rebranding. There's a wonder list item for it. <laughs> Which is now the one on the bottom for having been there longest after I mailed out the gem squash seeds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, and that's... Yeah, okay. If uh, if you would like gem squash seeds, for the record, and you are in a climate warm enough to do a long-season squash, send Kevin an email. Yeah. Uh, you can email me, kevin at sunny.com, S-O-N-N-E-Y.com. There's a contact form on productivityalchemy.com for you to make it easier. And By now, you probably all know about the Patreon and the other podcasts and everything, so yeah. woo! We're still here doing we're, the other we're stuff. We're still here doing the other stuff. We are glad to do this, and everybody, have a good week. Stay productive. Woo!